when I show my students, young people from the past mm. who made final stage and they're highly choreographed, they're like, I can't do that. Yeah, because you don't have nothing. What you're watching is the most perfect version of rehearsal. That's rehearsed. Mm-hmm. That is rehearsed. You get to that point. I'm showing you what it is because yeah. it's dope and it's meaningful and the poetry, but like the technical, the tech, the, the technique and the technicalities of it and the, uh, and the rehearsal, you're looking at the most polished rehearsal, perfections of myth. Enjoy the process, process over product all day long. Yo, you have to enjoy creating. And if you're going to if you're going to show it, then show it. Let it be ugly. Let it be shown. Mm-hmm. That you get there, but people don't want that. They want the perfection. Yeah, perfection is not real. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to a new episode of the Love Made Visible podcast. I'm Sophia Emile. And for this episode, I got to talk to Outspoken Bean. He is Houston's very own Poet Laureate, and he's also a coach for one of the city's youth poetry slam teams, Metaphor Houston. I first met Bean a couple years back at Right About Now. They host some of the biggest, most exciting poetry open mics and poetry events here in the city. So shout out to Right About Now. It was really cool to sit down and talk to him one-on-one and kind of go a little deeper about what his journey has been like as a spoken word poet, as a mentor, as a coach, as a teacher, and now as Houston's Poet Laureate. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Here we go. So again, thank you for for meeting with me. For sure. Outspoken Bean. <laughs> um, just out of curiosity, how did you come up with Outspoken Bean? Uh, the short version is um, the short, and I'll try to make it not as sad. <laughs> um, my last name is Bean. Okay. Me and my siblings share the same last name. My oldest brothers who got me into it. Um, uh, who got me into writing overall. And then when it came down to doing spoken word, um, he really encouraged me while I was at Prairie View to, like, kind of pursue it as a career and, like, would edit uh, my work. It was, he was a horrible editor, but he... <laughs> but what he was trying to get at was, like, you know, being honest and truth to your audience and such like that. Mm. Well... When he died, uh, I wanted to honor him. He had a he he's the person that said, "Oh, you should go," because I was going by outspoken, and people called me by my last name already. Bean, yeah, yeah. And he was like, "You should go by outspoken Bean." I was like, "I hate that. That sounds stupid." <laughs> and then when he passed, um, I, I decided to take that moniker. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So as you mentioned, you you do spoken word. Um, you're also co-founder of Metaphor Houston, right? I'm one of the, I wouldn't even say co-founder. Um, so writers in this, so um, Shannon Bugs is the founder. Mm-hmm. And if there would be a co-founder, it would be Sixto Wagon. Okay. Yeah, so them two were pretty much, and then I came in as a 
one of the coaches, and I've been coaching since 2009 with him. Nice, sure. nice. Yeah. Actually, and been a creative force within and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and it's still it's still going still on. Going right? on. Yeah, I saw yeah. I saw um, I don't remember their names, but I saw maybe like four of the poets on their perform at Juneteenth at the Post. Oh yeah, yeah, they were. They were great, oh, right? God, they were. Fun. Yeah, they're yeah. a great team. Yeah, so the team changes every year. So that mm-hmm. was. That was that was yeah that, that was that was this year that was a great squad and thank you for coming to Blackest Primary that was yeah. such a big endeavor for me and yeah, it was an event yeah. that I definitely loved and I was happy to uh, produce. For yeah, sure. yeah, it was really awesome. Thank you. So, as a spoken word poet, what mm-hmm. does like a typical day of work look like? For uh, you? <laughs> well, typical. There is no typical day, but I do I do go into work at Writers in the School, so I have a somewhat of a schedule. I have a schedule with them, and then. Um, if I have an event, I kind of look at my calendar, see what's coming up, see what I got to write, you know, and try to make, try to create some kind of routine with my, with my day mm-hmm. as best as possible. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been teaching at uh, Writers and School? Since 2009. They, oh, okay. uh, they put me up as a writer mm-hmm. in 2009. And, um, and, and they weren't the only place I would work, and still even to this day, they're not the only place that I would work. I, I work at a lot of places. I go to... Um, you know, I've worked with almost every arts organization in some capacity, in some way, in some faucet, in some facet, some faucet. Um, and so it's been dope to, to like really kind of build on that. And then I have um, been working with myself, essentially, like, you know, what Writers in Schools has given me is uh, the gift of time. And so I have, you know, I do part time there and then the other part of my time I'm doing other things and yeah, such. Yeah. yeah. So. so you really enjoy teaching and stuff. I enjoy performing. Or performing. I, enjoy, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy performing. Yeah. yeah. That's what I enjoy for yeah. sure. Yeah. Were there any challenges that came up when the pandemic hit? As uh, far as like uh, Yeah, I had to shift on like how I how I move and what I what I needed to do and what I had to do as mm-hmm. far as a as far as a performer and, and going into this world and this realm. So, yeah, a lot changed, for yeah. sure. Uh, when you were a kid, do you want to, do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? I do. I, yeah. I wanted to be an architect. Oh, wow. As a kid, I wanted to be an architect or, or work with trains. Um, mm-hmm. But oh. that shifted when I got introduced to uh, doing technical theater. There used to be this show that came on Discovery Channel called Movie Magic. I loved that show. <laughs> I loved that show. I loved watching it and um, and seeing like how movies were made and what they were did. And so that watching that show and then um, at Driscoll Middle School when I was in like eighth grade and I see, you know, high school students come to my campus and they talked about NISA, Northeast School of the Arts, and they had technical theater. And I was mm. like, oh, I want to do that. And so then I got into, like, doing that, and then music was big. So I was like, yo, sound, and wanted to do, like, sound engineering. Yeah, it just kept shifting. But yeah. once I once once I got away from I used to draw, too, all the mm. time. I stopped drawing. Yeah. Um, I, I doodle now, but I stopped <laughs> drawing for sure. Yeah. yeah. Is that in... Houston? Or the, the Northeast School of the Arts is in San Antonio. So San oh, okay. so Northeast School of the Arts is Houston's, it's San Antonio's HSPBA. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it's like the competitor, essentially. Just, <laughs> we're not competitors because they don't, they're not even in the same city. So, yeah, but it's pretty much HSPBA. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So how did you, 
finally like become like a spoken word. I just started. Like. I said I was and just started doing yeah. it. Essentially, <laughs> like um, I I remember it was like in 2009. I said, okay, I want to do this full time. Mm. It was in 2009. I was like, I want to do this full time. I don't know how, but I I had some some windows of opportunity through through NACA. Um, I was working at House of Blues at the time. I was working at House of Blues at the time as the uh, uh, I was a stagehand, but I wanted Ooh. to really do sound like. But they weren't giving your boy the shot like <laughs> I wanted, and um, and I was also co- uh, coaching metaphor Houston like I would teach I would do I would do like teaching classes at what's that place called at um, Smith Library and Carnegie Library Ooh. those were the first two I ever worked at doing like workshop classes kind of just dropped in in the middle of the semester in the middle of the year yeah. and yeah like that was a lot of like okay I want to do this not necessarily this kind of teaching but poetry I want my money to come from poetry and somehow I want to live off of it yeah. I want to thrive and I just kept doing it. Yeah. Was there something in particular about sound? Like, because you mentioned that. Oh, yeah, because I did. Because really um, I had uh, my dad, my parents had helped me buy a drum machine. And um, while I was in high school, I, I, I battled rap. I would rap and such like that. <laughs> and then I, I had like a crew and I would make our beats mm-hmm. and such like that. And so, you know. And I was also, you know, I was in, I'm a child of Kanye West, so like <laughs> hearing, you know, seeing, he was very much. I see my, I saw myself in him a lot because mm. of like, you know, I I grew up in uh, uh, in a very in a, in a suburban neighborhood. Mm. Um, I grew up in this suburban neighborhood, but the school I went to was hood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And my parents worked really hard they were entrepreneurs um and then the school I went to was not that at all <laughs> um and uh because I, I was bused into the school to go to NISA mm-hmm. to go to the north because NISA was a magnet school it's not like HSPVA HSPVA is, is his own campus right NISA is attached to a school it's not the same and so so yeah I had to like kind of navigate that and yeah. um and uh, and, like, you know, the people I would rap with and stuff like that were the people who were around me, and they were dope. And I would make our beats, and I had a company called Neo Classic, and that was our thing. And I would book events, book venues. I would book shows for us. I was, Yeah, I did a lot of stuff. So yeah. that's where that came from. Okay, cool. So um, kind of going back to, like, uh, as far as teaching and stuff, what are some of, like, the biggest changes you've seen I guess with young people trying to, like, you know, get into poetry and stuff. Well, being able to reach them is harder now. Um, Compared to, like, 2009. Well, 2009 (laughs) it was hard, too, but it was a different kind of hard. Mm. Uh, Yeah, like, you know, I've never been a traditional teacher, Mm -hmm. right? I've always been contracted in and done my thing and then dipped. So, um, oh, my gosh, like, 2009. 2009, one, I was younger, so it was, like, I was able to really zone in and focus with these young people and, like, kind of be close enough in their age where they looked up to it. Um, time has gone, and I, there's and more responsibility is in my lap, and, like, you know, I don't try to use, oh, I'm your friend. I don't use that anymore because uh. um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm an adult. I'm, I'm literally. Coach. I'm your coach. I, I literally yeah. watch over y'all. Yeah. 
for 20 hours a week you know what i'm saying <laughs> um so there's like there's um there's a lot of that into mm. it so that's a big change but you know how we the pandemic shifted a lot because pre-pandemic i mean we were when we were get kids to be on the team we were getting about uh, um 150 kids every um every year who wanted to get on the team mm. And then it went down to like eleven. <laughs> so we're trying to build back up, but it's yeah. it's hard. And then also, writers in the schools as a unit, as a structure, has changed a lot. So mm. it's a number of things for sure. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest challenge for kids who um, who want to become writers and stuff? I have no idea. No. I have no idea about that. <laughs> um. I don't know. I mean, they find the ones who want to find it, they'll find it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of lean into that. Um, and then there's other students who are who don't who aren't afforded and don't know to find it, so you have to go to them. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we try to do. How do you and how do you approach that? We Just we 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 hold events and put the information to the teachers. Try to get into the classrooms. Try mm-hmm. to get into the schools the best way we can. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, did you ever have any non-artist jobs in the past? Non-poetry jobs? Not really. Not really? Like, uh, I worked at IHOP in high school. Oh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How was that? Oh, man. It was, it was so I could be out at night in the weekends. I did mm. the graveyard shift. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, my hand, graveyard, I've been... Working this gray shift, I ain't made shit. Like when that when that came out, that was me. That was literally me at that time. And um, yeah, like pff, I hated that job, man. I hated it, but I also liked it. But I hated it for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> like kudos to anyone who does food service. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially yeah. if you add like graveyard shift. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know, know why they hired me. I was a minor. I was like, I shouldn't have been there. I didn't know, that was I didn't know minors were allowed to work. They weren't. That's my, that's my point. <laughs> yeah. We weren't. We're not. <laughs> but they did it. Um. Any writers or poets that have inspired you? Oh man, so many. So many, so many, so many. <laughs> Deep, um, Deep has been a close friend and mentor of mine and um, and a person that I've watched just grow and, and maneuver and move into this space. Uh, Lupe Mendez is another. Uh, um, students of mine, Josh Wynn, um, he, was, uh, he was on my first, first, uh, first teams. Like, he has really, like, come into his own. I'm so proud of him. Uh, um, as a writer and as an author, like I'm not even an author, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like overwhelmed with joy with his accomplishments and what he continues to accomplish and pursue and do. Um, Buddy Wakefield always will mm-hmm. be someone, yeah. you know, always be someone I'm, I'm always into. Uh, Jasmine Mans, Rudy Francisco, I've had the pleasure of mm. transitioning from where I competed against them. Never really won, <laughs> but from where I competed against them to to being a fan to befriending right mm, these people. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, who else? Man, so many people. So lo- so many people. Uh, <laughs> Sunny Patterson will always be someone that's like like how she's able to like use a calming to like captivate and, and, and grab her audience. I love it. 
um, Susan Lowy Parks, as far as like making productions, making plays, production, as far as like festival and and communal things. Who I'm interested in is uh, uh, Mark Bermuthi Joseph. Like I love his career. He's pretty. He's probably one of the most influential people who um, in my life, as far as like how my career has gone, and just watching him and. And like seeing seeing what he's done and what he does, mm-hmm. yeah, that's so cool. Um, have has you know knowing them and like growing with them has that had an impact on the of way course. that you write? Yeah. Of course, the way I write, the way I approach, the way I, I grow. I don't. I probably should like talk to them. Like, hey, how do you do this? I probably <laughs> should do that, but I don't really do it that often. I just watch them. I just watch and and be and be, and, and fun and make sure that I continuously have something. That I'm working on, that mm-hmm. I'm that I'm doing, that I'm pursuing, because I'm like, yo, man, like that's a, oh, I didn't even know that could be a job that I could do. Yeah. Fair, cool, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, wow, yeah. you built this audience, and now you have, and you building this audience, you now have like, you now have like specific people who who really like us on here. Yeah, hell yeah. Who who. <laughs> Who fuck with you <laughs> and don't fuck with anything else and like and they and they're here and like and you feed that audience like mm. I love it. I love that. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> sure. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever experience like performance fatigue? Always. Always. <laughs> always, always. But it's cool. Yeah. Um sometimes it's chemically mm. which I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's chemically, but sometimes it's just like I need to rest. I need to chill sometimes. It's a number of things. preference so like either writing or performing or I do like the idea of my poetry writing writing it with the intention of it being alive the intention Ooh. of it being um, performance based um, yeah I write with that intention so yeah like I'm in the process of like building out some work right now Ooh. and yeah I want it to I want it to live and um, but I also Wanted to live on the writing end as well. Mm-hmm. So, how has being a spoken word poet shaped the way that you define what work is? Again, like I, I, t- I, I tend to write with the intention of it being said out loud. Mm-hmm. And so, spoken word. I usually don't say I'm a spoken word artist. I usually refer myself as like a performance poet. Mm-hmm. But spoken word is accurate. But mm-hmm. it's like I like the idea that. For me, performance based first. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. So, um, for me, that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the phrase, work is love made visible. Work is love made visible. You should love your work that you do and then share it. Mm. You should <laughs> love the work you do and share it. Period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, is it like if, if you have no intention of sharing it, then like why create it? No, no, but but people want to hear your work. 
People want to see your work. People want to, if you want to create and just keep it cool. But there is a, um, if, you're, if this is your profession, if this is what you do, eventually you're going to have to kind of do it. But there's a dichotomy, man. There's a dichotomy there where you almost become your own hypocrite if you start thinking about, you know, the effects of capitalism mm -hmm. and how that ruins art and how it can ruin art. Mm. You kind of become your own, your own hypocrite. Yeah. So, like... You know, like, like um, I was watching some YouTube video. I can't remember it, but they're talking about like how Banksy is constantly criticizing not art, but the elitists mm. who put millions and put the value into art, right? Yeah. And so, but the more he tries to criticize it through art, the more valuable in their eyes it becomes mm, I see yeah. it's this weird cycle like paradox yeah it's a paradox, paradox. it's exactly what it is mm -hmm. and yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that, I, and I see that I can see that for sure mm -hmm. but mm. we live in this world <laughs> that is a capitalist space yeah. <laughs> yeah we're here we're here yeah is that something you've seen in poetry from the beginning or in recent years? If I've seen it in recent years, that means it's been there since the beginning. <laughs> I just saw it. You know what I mean? It's been there, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm actually out of questions. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was freaking awesome. I'm like... <laughs> thank um, you. Yeah, no, thank you for sitting down with me. I do have one last question, though. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> and there's going to be a pandemic. <laughs> Invest in Bitcoin. And, and uh, so in 20, when I was 20, so in five years, Bitcoin, you'll find out, you'll find out about it get it, invest in it then and then 10 years from that there'll be a pandemic <laughs> cash out <laughs> that's good advice Yeah, because it was, cause doing it by the pandemic is too late what's so it's interesting too is it's too late or, or I would say to him GameStop, you hate it now <laughs> you, you hate GameStop now they, they don't change their ways but they do have they do they do have a moment where, where, you know what I mean? Like, where, you know, how they cheated you out of your games and, you know what I mean? How they cheated you out of your games. They're going to get cheated out. <laughs> and it's coming. However, like, don't revel in their downfall. That's not the, that's not the time to do it. <laughs> Invest. Find out about Reddit <laughs> and, and, and and Wall Street bets. Find that you don't know what it means. Just just Google it. <laughs> Get into that. Get into that three years before it, and then start investing. Get in on that and then cash out. <laughs> That's good advice. You know what's funny? Like of all the people I've asked that question, nobody brought up the pandemic. And now it's making sense to me. Like, <laughs> like why would the it pandemic was good for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, professionally. Mm. It was hard on me in the long run. Now I think about it, it's hard on me. But uh, but um, 
professionally it was great for me actually it helped me refocus and think things totally differently because I had time to do so mm, yeah so you know that's not most people yeah a lot of people got stir crazy real fast I mean yeah but I mean you know I had been in a position where I was at home not busy nothing to do and no income mm. So people going stir crazy, nothing to do, with income. I'm like, <laughs> yo, I've been here before <laughs> with no money coming in, nothing on the horizon. Like, I had to create from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been in this position before. And this time around, I actually have income. And I still need to create from create yeah. from here. Yeah. Um. Also, this is just a question out of curiosity, too. I was talking to one of the artists that I was talking about. He said that, like, one of the things he sees with up-and-coming artists is they want to, you know, come out the gate, you know, perfect, already... Perfect is a myth. Yeah, already great at their craft. And I think, I don't know about anyone else, but for me especially, I felt that during the pandemic, like, there was a pressure to, like, okay, we have all this time, we gotta create, we gotta, you know, get, get down to, But well, people were creating with, through the lens of perfection. Mm-hmm. When I show my students, young people from the past, mm-hmm. who made final stage and highly choreographed, they're like, I can't do that. Yeah, because you don't have nothing. Yeah. What you're watching is the most perfect version of rehearsal. Mm. That's rehearsed. Mm-hmm. That is rehearsed. You get to that point. I'm showing you what it is because yeah. it's dope and it's meaningful and the poetry. But like the technical, the tech, the, the technique and the technicalities of it and the uh, and the rehearsal. You're looking at the most polished rehearsal. Perfection's a myth. Enjoy the process. Process over product all day long. Yo, you have to enjoy creating. Yeah. And if you're going to if you're going to show it, then show it. Let it be ugly. Let it be shown. Mm-hmm. That you get there, but people don't want that. They want the perfection. Yeah, perfection is not real. And, and I guess they're scared of bombing on stage. So what? <laughs> so what? Bomb. You don't get. You don't get to. You don't get to greatness without that. No. Yeah. Even with yeah. basketball, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they have practice. Practice is rehearsal. Mm-hmm. It takes work. It takes... No, no, but it's all work. It's all work, yeah. It's all work. All of it is work. You got to practice on it. You got... It's repetition. It's constant. There's there's, there's method. It's constant rest, constant rest, constant rest, constant rest, constant rest. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mythology, dog. Like, and this is something like even for me because I go through those moments. But, yeah, like, I get... When I give myself that time to rehearse, dog, yeah, uh, that shit don't come. <laughs> it's not gold, and, and and you don't shit gold. And even if you do have a natural talent, a natural talent in something, you can lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be lost. Yeah. If you, if it's not refined, if it's not rehearsed and practiced on mm-hmm. and polished, yeah, you got to polish it. Yeah. Because you will lose it if you don't. Keep at it. Yeah. I just remembered a question. What's it like being Houston's poet, poet laureate? laureate? It's fine. 
it's cool. How how did that come I, around? You apply, you apply for it, okay. and um, <laughs> and then you know there's a there's a there's a process of like asking questions or, or being interviewed, and then and then you get it. <laughs> yeah, so. That was awesome. But it's been yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been great. It's been a great opportunity. I can't wait for the next person. Who knows who will be? Yeah. And um, and I'm also. United States Poet Laureate Fellow as well, so that's Aww. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any? any no. When does this come plans? out? Um, we don't have to record now, but when does this come out? Uh, January. Okay, great. Yeah. And how long have you been doing it? Literally since the, since September. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> yeah, Who else you. have you interviewed? Um. So the first person I interviewed was my brother-in-law and his um friend. They make music together. Actually, um. I don't know if you remember them, Lance Cook and Jerome Madison. They were on Metaphor Houston when they were in Lance. Lance. Oh my God. I haven't seen, I see Jerome pretty often. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Lance in forever. That's my brother in law. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Tell him I said hello. Oh Oh, shit. I'll hear it. Oh my gosh. Shout out to Lance. Man. He was super talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man, Lance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Jerome was his um best man at their wedding. Yeah. So they were the first people that I uh that I interviewed. Okay, <laughs> they, great. Yeah, they put out a an album last great. year. Great. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Any plans for the future and like next one five years. I don't know. A bunch of stuff. I don't know. Like continuing continuous creation and mm. building building my future out. Yeah. For sure. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank That's you. That's really all I had. Boom. There we <laughs> go. You. What's the name of this? Son. Uh work is love. Work is love. I love it. Unofficially yeah. though. I haven't there we really go. officialized it. All right. Well, <laughs> Outspoken Bean. Again, he is Houston's Poet Laureate and coach for Metaphor Houston. As always, I will be linking all of his social media handles in the show notes. I strongly encourage all y'all to check out his stuff, check out his poetry, his writings, reach out to him and give him a follow and just show him some love. And last but not least, also, please give this podcast a follow on Instagram as well, at lovemadevisiblepod, and I'll see you guys next week for a new episode. Bye!